Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda. Amma ba'd. We continue tonight bi-idhnillahi ta'ala with the sharh of Al-Ha'iyyah for Ibn Abi Dawood rahimahullah. And in our last lesson, we were discussing the different principles that the scholars of Islam have used in order to derive the ahkam, the rulings in the religion. And we mentioned that some of these principles are agreed upon, and some of them the scholars have differed they have agreed upon where there is no difference of an opinion is the Quran, the book of Allah Azza wa Jal and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Ijma' the consensus of the scholars these were the three that we spoke about which there is no difference of opinion this is where the religion is taken from the Quran, the Sunnah, the Ijma' And the fourth one that we have with us today is Al-Qiyas. Al-Qiyas or analytical deduction. Where the scholars, they derive a ruling uh, based on a separate uh, text. They derive a ruling for a particular topic that has not been discussed. But they take its ruling from a separate text, whether it's from the Qur'an or the Sunnah. So it's where they analyze the, the text and they use the text to derive a ruling regarding something that the Shara' has not spoken of specifically. This is called Qiyas. Okay? And the Sheikh, he says... That with uh, Qiyas, it is what the scholars call Qiyasul Illa. Qiyasul Illa is where the scholars derive a ruling because the two things that they have analyzed, uh, they share the same, they share the same issue. They share the same issue. And we will give an example of the Qiyas Fil Illa so that it can paint a picture for you in your mind. An example of this, my brothers and sisters, Allah Azza wa Jal in the Quran regarding the, the parents, He says, uh, Do not say to them, Uf. This is a command from Allah Azza wa Jal. And what do we understand from this verse? It's a warning not to disobey the parents. It's a warning not to disobey the parents. So if a child speaks to their parents in an evil way, even if it's not the word uf, if they speak to their parents in an evil way, then this verse applies to them. Why? Because this is a qiyas in the illah. So if a, per, if a person, for example, calls his father an evil name, okay? And then we say to him, it's haram. Why? Because Allah Azza wa Jal says, فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍ Do not say uf. If the person then comes and says, but I didn't say uf to my father, I called him a different name, we say, yeah, but it shares the same issue, the same illa. 
and that is disobedience, and that is the disobedience to the parents. So this is a form of qiyas, and qiyas has many different types and forms, but this is to give you an understanding of what qiyas is. It's when the scholars, they derive a ruling that the shara has not specifically mentioned about that topic based on other texts, based on other proofs uh, from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Another example is Allah Azza wa Jal made khamr haram. He made intoxication haram, khamr haram. Someone might say, okay, if I don't drink alcohol, I can take anything else. No, every intoxicant falls under that topic because every intoxicant is haram. So no one can come and say, okay, I'll take cocaine, I'll take marijuana or whatever else because the shara didn't discuss it. No, the shara said intoxicant is haram or alcohol is haram. So everything that shares the same as alcohol, which is making the mind disappear, which intoxicates, is haram. So this is examples of qiyas. And this is how the scholars also derive rulings. This is how the scholars also derive rulings. The Sheikh mentions that regarding Qiyas, some of the scholars did not accept it. Like the Zahiri Madhab. The Zahiriya, they do not accept Qiyas. Meaning, if it's not in the Quran or the Sunnah, we do not resort to Al-Qiyas. But the Sheikh says, as for the differing concerning the usage of Qiyas, it is weak. Yani the ones that reject Qiyas, their argument is a weak argument because the majority of the scholars have accepted Qiyas as permissible, as a means of seeking Dalil. However, Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, he said it should only be used when needed. And that's the truth. You do not resort to Qiyas if you have the Qur'an, the Sunnah, the Ijma' Yeah, he said it's only used as a necessity And that's why he said Qiyas is to be applied in case of necessity only This is what Imam Ahmad rahimahullah said And the Sheikh says this is similar to how the carcass can only be consumed In case of dire hunger when no other food is present And a person fears death by not eating it It's the same We use Qiyas only when it is needed. He says in the case where an actual text is found from the Qur'an or the Sunnah, there is no need for Qiyas. So if we have clear proof from the Qur'an or the Sunnah about the topic, we do not resort to Qiyas. But if there is no text regarding the matter, then yes, Qiyas is applied and it's not applied by anyone my brothers and sisters it's applied by the people of knowledge the ulama the scholars who can understand that this matter you're asking me about and this hadith or this verse they share the same issue they share the same issue we're discussing so it's not for any layman to do qiyas the author, rahimahullah, he then moves on and he says in his next statement and practice your religion based on the book of Allah and the sunnah which have come 
from the Messenger of Allah Azza wa Jal in order that you will be saved, in order that you may achieve a reward from Allah. Look at this beautiful advice. Practice your religion based on the Quran and the Sunnah. This is the advice of Abu Bakr, uh, the son of Abu Dawood, rahimahullah. And this means that you derive your deen from the Quran and the Sunnah, the authentic narrations. That's where you take your religion from. As for that which comes from other than the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, then it has to be investigated. Anything that comes part of the religion that did not come from the mouth or the actions of the Prophet وسلم, no matter who it is, it gets investigated. The Shaykh says, if he agrees with the Quran and the Sunnah, then it is accepted. But if it is found to be in opposition to the Quran and the Sunnah, it is rejected no matter who it is, no matter who it comes from. So we take our deen from the Quran and the Sunnah. Anything from those two, we do not question. Besides those two, we investigate. If he agrees with the Quran and the Sunnah, we accept it. If he does not agree with the Quran and the Sunnah, we reject it. And this is something which the great scholars of old from the Salaf all advised with. And the Sheikh Hafizahullah, Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, he now mentions great sayings for the four Imams. And why does he bring the four Imams in particular? Because the blind following that happens today mainly happens regarding the four Imams. So let's see what the great four Imams of Islam have mentioned. The first that he speaks of is Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah. Imam al-Shafi'i, he said in one of his statements, when my saying contradicts the saying of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then take the saying of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and throw my statement against the wall. Subhanallah. This is Imam al-Shafi'i. What a great imam and a great advice that he gave. If my saying contradicts the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, what has he told you to do? Throw my statement against the wall. So if a person truly wanted to follow Imam al-Shafi'i, he will follow this advice. And a person who blind follows has not followed the advice of Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah. Imam Malik, rahimahullah, said, each one of us can have our statements accepted or rejected, and then he said, except for the occupant of this grave. And he pointed to the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Because Imam Malik was Imam Darul Hijra. He was the Imam of Medina, the great Imam. He said these words in the Prophet's masjid, next to the Prophet's grave. 
He said, every person, every one of us, his words can be accepted or rejected, except the owner of this grave. That's the only words that you cannot reject. As for everyone else, he's a human. He's a human that can make mistakes in deen. But the Prophet ﷺ was a human who cannot make mistakes in deen. Allah protected him from that because he's the messenger. Everything he came with is only truth. He says, for indeed the sayings and the actions and the approvals of the Prophet ﷺ can never be rejected. Rather, they must be accepted under all circumstances. As for other than the Messenger ﷺ, if their statements agree with the book and the sunnah, they are accepted. And if they do not, then they are to be rejected. This is how you follow your deen. Because we, my brothers and sisters, do not follow individuals. We only follow our ulama and our scholars because they lead us to the sunnah. So we are not following the individual. We're following the path that they take us to. Big difference. Whereas the Sufiya and whoever else, the people of innovation, no. They follow their mashayikh, their scholars, as individuals. And that's why no matter what their sheikh says, it's as though it is revelation from Allah. You tell them, this is haram. You'll say, but my sheikh said it's halal. You tell him the Prophet said it's haram. You'll say, yeah, but my sheikh said it's halal. They put the words of their mashayikh, their scholars and whatever else, over the words of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and this is clear misguidance for the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the perfect example sent to mankind no one else imam abu hanifa rahimahullah who is the first of the four of the imams he said if a report reaches you from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then look no further. These are the words of Abu Hanifa. If a hadith comes to you, do not look any further. The hadith is enough. He then said, If a report reaches you from the Sahaba of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then look no further. Because the Sahaba are the students of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He then said, And if a narration reaches you from the tabi'een, And who are the tabi'een? Great people. They are the students of the Sahaba. He said, If a narration reaches you from the tabi'een, Then they are men and we are men. What does that mean? Investigate their words. Because they are men and we are men. So look at Abu Hanifa rahimahullah's understanding of the deen. The words of Rasulullah there's no room for negotiation. Even the words of the Sahaba to Abu Hanifa, there's no room for negotiation. 
But anyone after them, it's like he's saying, we are human, we make mistakes, so look into our words. What a great statement from Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah. Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah. And Imam Ahmad had a lot of words like this, similar. Because Imam Ahmad, he was from the people of Hadith. Along with the other of the A'imma, they all had a strong inclination to the Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Imam Ahmad rahimahullah said, I am amazed. What's he amazed at? I am amazed at those who know the chain of narration as well as its authenticity. But instead of accepting the narration, they flock to the opinion of Sufyan. Allahu Akbar. And my brothers and sisters, Sufyan al-Thawri is not a little man. Sufyan al-Thawri was from the mountains of knowledge. From the biggest scholars of hadith in the early generations of the Salaf. And look what he's saying, Imam Ahmad. He's saying, I'm shocked how people can learn a hadith to be sahih and then they flock to the opinion of Sufyan. This is not putting down Sufyan radiallahu anhu rahimahullah. But this is to show that the sunnah is above everyone. No matter who it is. The sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is above everyone. Then Imam Ahmad rahimahullah quoted the verse in the Quran where Allah says, فَلْيَحْذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ This is a big warning from Allah regarding anyone who opposes the Prophet Allah says, let those who oppose the messenger's commandment beware lest some fitna should befall them or a painful torment be inflicted on them. That's the punishment for the ones who oppose the Prophet A fear of a fitna and fitna here as Imam Ahmad said is shirk and it's true. The ones who oppose the Prophet ﷺ fall into shirk. Lest a fitna befalls them or a painful torment, a painful punishment. So it is not permissible, the Sheikh says, to take the statement of any scholar, regardless of the level he has reached in fiqh or in knowledge, unless his statement is based upon sound dalil. Even if it's the biggest scholar, if his statement is not based upon proof, then his statement is not to be accepted. This is how the religion is preserved. That's how our religion was preserved. That's how the Salaf protected the religion for us so that we can have it in its pure form. Because if everyone was left to give his opinion in Islam, what would happen to Islam, Bilal? It would be gone. It would be destroyed. If everyone's opinion was to be taken and acknowledged and accepted, it would become a circus. But no, these are fundamentals 
that we have to grow on to show that anything that opposes the words of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is rejected. No matter how nice it sounds, no matter how intellectual the speaker is, no matter how beautiful the person's beautified it, if it opposes the sunnah, it is not deen and it is rejected by Allah and by the Muslims. He says, as for that which goes against the sound evidence, it is not to be accepted. And this is because no one has any statement in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No one has an opinion when the Prophet has spoken. Even the Sahaba. Never, ever you will find the Sahaba give an opinion if the Prophet had spoken. Because Allah ordered them that. Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, la tuqaddimu bayna yadayillahi wa rasoolih. This is a clear command. Allah Azza wa Jal says, O you who believe, do not make a decision in advance before Allah and His Messenger. Look at that. Do not make a decision before Allah and His Messenger have spoken. Uh, this shows that the Prophet ﷺ, his words are above everyone. And Allah Azza wa Jal revealed the verse when the Sahaba used to sometimes get carried away and they will raise their voices in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ. Not to talk over him, but then they'll naturally be talking and the Prophet ﷺ will be talking and sometimes their voice will go higher than the Prophet's. So Allah revealed the verse لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي Do not raise your voices above the voice of the Prophet of Allah. And the scholars of Islam, my brothers and sisters, have all mentioned, go to all the tafsir. They all said this is not only regarding the physical raising of the voice, but this is also regarding putting an opinion over his opinion. Do not raise your voice over the voice of the Prophet means do not put any words above his words. Do not give preference to anyone's opinion over his opinion. How can you? When Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, the great sahabi, when he was asked a fiqh question and he mentioned the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said one, two, three. The ones who asked him the question, they said, yeah, but we heard Abu Bakr and Umar say one, two, three. Look who they quoted. They didn't quote Imam al-Shafi'i or Malik or Ahmad or Abu Hanifa, or Sufyan, or my Sheikh today, or my Imam today, they quoted the greatest of the Ummah, Abu Bakr and Umar. No one greater than them. So when Abdullah ibn Abbas heard that, he became very angry. And he said, Allahu Akbar. He actually made takbir. He said, Allahu Akbar. I tell you, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said one, two, three. And you want to tell me Abu Bakr and Umar said one, two, three? 
He said, by Allah, I fear from your words that Allah will send down a punishment from the heavens. That's for what? Putting the words of Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah before the words of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Can't. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is our qudwa, our example. Allah perfected him in the religion and told us, follow this man. So that's what we have to do. So when we follow our scholars, and do not get me wrong, my brothers and sisters, we are not saying not to follow our imams. We do follow our imams. But we follow them in that which leads us to the truth. To the Quran and the Sunnah, yes. But we do not believe anyone is infallible. Everyone makes mistakes. And our duty is not to follow the mistake when it is clear to us that this is a mistake. So your vision in your deen should only be to follow the sunnah. So whoever leads you to the sunnah, alhamdulillah. That's your aim. As long as you have that on your, as your aim, you will always be on guidance. So whenever you come across a matter in the religion and you don't know, is this right, is this not right? The first thing that should come to your head is was this performed by the Prophet ﷺ and his Sahaba? If the answer is yes, you put it on your head. And if the answer is no, do what Imam al-Shafi said. Throw it into the wall. So your deen needs to always be pure. And the way you purify your religion is to always filter it. You filter it from anything that's filthy. And this is how the Salaf taught us to be. Subhanallah, Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah, the great Imam who dedicated his whole life to the Sunnah. Yeah? We know he made, he wrote, he compiled his book, the Jami' al-Sahih, or what's commonly known as Sahih al-Bukhari. That book is the greatest book after the Qur'an, is it not? The greatest book after the Qur'an, Sahih al-Bukhari. Subhanallah, he says, I, I extracted this book, which is 7,000 ahadith with the recurring, 4,500 roughly without the recurring. He said, I selected these hadith from 600,000 hadith. 600,000 hadith to pull out Sahih al-Bukhari in 4,000 or 7,000 hadith. When you read the reasons why Imam al-Bukhari compiled the Sahih, you'll find two reasons, two main reasons. The first one was his teacher. Ishaq ibn Rahawai rahimahullah He said in one of the lessons I wish someone will make a jami' Meaning a book Only about the sahih hadith of the Prophet Because it was very rare The hadiths were around But no one had yet compiled Only the sahih into a book So Imam al-Bukhari said So he entered my heart That was one reason the second reason was a dream. 
Imam al-Bukhari mentions, he said, I saw a dream that he was sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there was flies coming close to him, flies. He said, and I had a fan, Imam al-Bukhari said, I had a fan and I was fanning the flies away from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said, so I asked my scholars, his teachers, what this dream meant. And they all told him, it means that you will remove all the filth away from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. The fabrications, the lies, and whatever else. For this was what encouraged Imam al-Bukhari to write the Jami' al-Sahih. And that shows us, my dear brothers, that these early scholars, it was very important to them that Islam remained pure, untouched. Because Islam is perfect. It does not need to have anything added or removed from it. It doesn't need the sayings of the scholars to add things or remove things or whatever else. Islam is pure. And the scholars are like stars, they are guides. But they are all guiding to one thing. That's the kitab and the sunnah. So if you are directed to the kitab and the sunnah, you're on guidance, bi'idhnillah. So do not look at the individual. Look at what they are calling you to. This is the most important. Inshallah, next week, we will continue with the next chapter that the great imam begins with. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabiyina Muhammad. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah.